1: Recorded live.
0: Welcome to the uh, debut of the new Seattle Sports Talk podcast. It is now known as Seattle Sports Talk with Irish and Anthony. I am joined by my new co-host, who we hope to have many, many awesome podcasts uh, for a while now. Anthony Dion, Anthony, how are we doing tonight, my man? Doing great. How are you doing, Irish? I can't complain. Well, I can definitely complain, especially after today. That, that today was just like a horrible day for Seattle sports.
1: Yeah. It- It was not too uh,
0: too good, was it? And hey, I
1: want to just first off send out a
0: thank you to you for inviting me on to be your co-host for this podcast. Hey, no worries, no worries, man, no worries. Glad to have you on as the co-host. And again, hoping that we have that you know a lot of awesome podcasts, you know, to go along. Same here. Thanks. Yep. So uh, we me and Anthony, we were talking, and of course, we've got to start out by talking about the Mariners and. You know, Anthony, this team has truly been ever. And i, I don't want to say this: ever since that loss to Milwaukee, the Mariners have just not done anything. We are two and five. No, excuse me. We're we're two and it looks like we're two in, in six. Uh, two and they yeah, lost
1: six of eight. Well, wow. game. Two and five since that game, but counting that game, we've lost six of eight. Right, so
0: not that good then. No, that's not good. I'm I'm trying to figure out what has happened to this team because, you know, first of all, that game with Milwaukee was just in. It was just an insane game to watch. I mean, first of all, Wilhelmson blowing up, and you know, the fact of the matter is, is that you know, Wilhelmson he gets one he gets one out and can't get the you know, can't get anybody else out. But, you know, during that game, you saw Scott Service did not have anybody warming up. I mean, he got, yeah. I, mean, I mean,
1: that's a typical approach for a manager, too, right? Like, oh, my closer's in now, so I'm not going to have anybody else warming up. It's his game. Like, we're just going to ride with, with him through thick and thin no matter what happens. And we see how it went you know, you get into a little bit of trouble and you've got no option there to to kind of, you know, uh, put the fire out. So, yeah, that's me that I've always hated that approach. It's just so frustrating to watch as a fan because clearly Wilhelmson didn't have it. And, you know, to Wilhelmson's credit, like, sure, uh, you know, he got hit hard. But if, if Leonis Martin makes that catch in the gap, now there's two outs and nobody on, and even with Carter's home run, if he does go and hit a home run on the next the next at-bat in the same way that he did, uh, we don't know how that at-bat would have played out with nobody on, and maybe Tom's a little bit more careful. Maybe he just walks him. But regardless, say he does hit the homer, now you still have the one run, or I think it would have been two-run lead the solo shot. Regardless, um, you still have a chance to win that game with two outs and still with a lead. If Aoki then comes over and and makes the catch on the fly ball um, that subsequently came after Carter's at-bat. So, you know, as bad as Wilhelmson was in that inning, if the defense just shows up like it typically does, then you're out of it with a serious sweep. And who knows how the next series of the Yankees goes, how this series that just played out with the White Sox comes through. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's really um, disappointing to see how a couple of defensive miscues have kind of uh, turned this last week into just, um, you know, one, one week that the Mariners would like to forget, especially,
0: you know, with just 30-some-odd games left to play now. No, it's not. And and to be truly honest, Anthony, I mean, this is – we've seen the Mariners struggle from time to time, but this is definitely the wrong time to struggle. And, again, it, and, you know, coming from me as a longtime Mariners fan, you know, I've seen this happen before. I mean, the Mariners seem to get everybody's hopes up, and all of a sudden, you know, they're like, they're like what the hell's going on? I mean, first of all, this team was, you know – Right when we were playing Milwaukee, Milwaukee, we had a chance to literally be in a tie for this, or we did have a chance to be in a tie in second place in the wild card. And ever right,
2: since,
0: right. ever since then, we can, I mean, it seems like this happens almost every year. The Mariners get my hopes up, and then they break my heart. I mean, it's like they're laughing, you know, evilly like this. Yeah, no, yeah. I,
1: I I agree, because... You know, And I was saying it watching that game, watching Aoki kind of just lazily walk over to that fly ball that was hanging in the air for like an eternity, and it's like, what, do these guys not have that winning attitude where they are, are comfortable in that moment to close the deal and win games and consistently win games? And it, to me, Aoki looked literally like a Little League player out there who just, didn't want to be in that situation. Um, to say after the game, he was as telling Jen Euler of Root Sports that he "quote unquote" felt the presence of Leonis Martin. and to say that, first of all, that's complete and utter just amateur hour stuff to, to not only the field but to say, because as an outfielder in that situation. You know your area. Aoki needs to know that that ball is in my area. I need to call that ball right away and go after it aggressively, and he did none of those things. No. So, yeah, and we've seen Aoki do this time and time again. Uh, I I can't pinpoint specific games, but I have seen it this year where he's kind of pulled off balls because he – quote-unquote, felt the presence of his outfielder. And it just comes down to calling the ball and being an aggressive player. And we haven't seen that from Aoki. And, you know, going beyond Aoki, we haven't seen many of these players play with that killer instinct in the moment in clutch situations uh, to win games. And we've seen some walk-off homers earlier in the season. But I think now as the season hits the nitty-gritty, you know, when – like you said, we literally had a chance to be tied for the wild card lead with Baltimore on that Sunday, and they, they you know, just uh, came up short. They didn't show the uh, the medal that it takes here in September as, as the, uh, you know, season comes down the stretch to, to win the tough games, to win the games that they need. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm in the – in the same boat as you. Every every year, it's like these guys just they um, tease us with a chance to be in it, and then they just fold. And it, I don't know what it, what it's going to take. How how do we get that mindset onto this team that they're perennially playoff contenders, and they then play like that? Do we need to bring in guys that? Uh, have experience in the postseason, or can it come from within, from the coaching staff, from, you know, veteran leadership to, you know, teach some of the younger kids and some of the guys that don't have the experience, hey, no, this is how you're going to have to play, uh, just to teach them the attitude that it takes,
0: you know, whatever. But it's frustrating. It is frustrating. I'm gonna play a clip right now. I mean, in my opinion, this is what the Oak, the Texas Rangers, after seeing you know what the Mariners have been doing, again. I'm gonna play a clip. This is what they're thinking in their heads go, coming in to play the Mariners. If I can play it, here we go. Okay. Right. a <laughs> All
2: right. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm um,
0: sure. I mean, they're just, in my opinion, I truly think that that's what the Rangers are doing. They're just licking their they're licking their lips and saying, you know what, this team is going to be an easy easy sweep. Now, me, I don't think it's going to be an easy sweep for the Rangers because I mean, look at look at the pitching matchups that we that is going into this Rangers series. We've got all our top three pitchers, and the Rangers have their have their top two pitchers going against us. So, you know. Odds are we're going to possibly get one of these games, but I would love to see a sweep. I know that's not going to happen, but I would love to see at least a series win so that way we can at least get stay in contention for not just the American League West but also the wild card. But getting back to what you were saying about the outfielders, first of all, I want to say this. Scott Service, to me, is a complete and utter moron because I get that he's a rookie manager. And someone stated to me saying, you know... Uh, you know, he's a rookie. He's gonna make these mistakes. I will say this Scott Service is making the wrong mistakes at the wrong time. Because I have a I have a little bit of a I, I don't again, I know Scott Service isn't listening, but I've got a message for you, Scott. Your team is about to get into the postseason. You have a chance to put this team into the postseason. Try managing smart. And what I mean by that is do not put Goody in the outfield. Do not put Seth Smith in the outfield. How about you put a guy who, is, who has deserved, and I mean outright deserved a spot in a starting lineup, Sean O'Malley. I don't care if the guy is hitting 240, 250. That guy ha- made a play in the, first, in the second game of the White Sox series that saved our asses. I will say that. He saved the game. So why is it that Scott Service continuously – Makes poor decisions and does not play a guy who outright deserves to play. Also, yeah. why do you, you. First of all, I'm, I'm trying to think about this. Service knowing, and I mean outright knowing, that the White Sox had a left-hander in the bullpen, pinch hit De Ho Lee for Adam Lynn, and the White Sox bringing in a lefty. Why? Why would you do that when you know that they have a left-handed pitcher in the bullpen. And also, why would you have Zanino Bunt? I guarantee you, I will say this, if I was Scott Service in that situation, let him hit. Because I get that he was 0 for 13. But in my opinion, I'm going to trust Mike Zanino. I'm honestly going to trust him and let him swing away because I had a a feeling that if Mike Zanino was going to swing away there, he was going to get a base hit. I truly believe that. I truly blame a lot of these losses that we have on Scott Service's uh, ability to manage a game correctly. He does not know how to manage these players. He does not know how to uh, to basically match. First of all, I'm sick of all this matchup crap. If I will say this. If Lou Piniella was still managing this ball, he would not. And I will say this. He would not be doing the matchups like these other coaches would. I've seen Lou Pinella leave the same starting lineup again, the same starting lineup for I think 15 consecutive games. Never once did matchups. He always left the lineup the same. But service, you see a different lineup almost every two days. And when you when you switch up the lineup, you're possibly also not helping these players. You're you're basically you know putting them in a position that they don't want to be in. In you know with the fact that they may not feel comfortable being in that position in the lineup.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I can't really speak to what Lupinella did. I can't quite recall back, you know, that long ago. But like you're you're saying, I mean, having Zanino bunt in that situation, I don't think that's the right move. Zanino's in the lineup because he has – a 975 OPS right now, or you know whatever it is, um, and yeah, he, he was mired in an for 12, over 13 at the time. But um, his bunting ability isn't anything to to write home about, and you want to see your power hitters in that situation swing swing the bat. You don't want to see him laying down a bunt and uh, you know giving the other team an out and I always say when you bunt you play you're playing for the one run. You're not playing for a big inning. And that's not the right approach unless you're looking to just tie the game in a postseason situation. But in the regular season when you need multiple runs to not just tie but to take the lead. Um you gotta have your power hitters swing away, and so yeah, that that was a poor decision in my opinion. And you know, going to the O'Malley point, yeah, O'Malley needs to play. You know, he's he's shown up defensively, he's shown up in the clutch, he's shown up hit. You know, he gets on base seemingly every game. So um, at this point, I wouldn't mind seeing O'Malley over Gutierrez, even if Gutierrez's power. Matches up well with a certain pitcher, you know, historically in his matchups. Um, Gutierrez just hasn't gotten enough playing time over the course of the year to be consistent, and that's hurt him. Plus, we we, we all see now that he's lost a good step or two in the outfield, and that's uh, definitely hurting the team defensively. So, he's not as bad as Smith or Cruz, those guys both need to stay out of the outfield as well. But Gideon is still is a liability
0: out there as well. So, Yeah, he is. And also, I think yesterday uh, Chris Ionetta was actually in the game due to the fact that he had a good uh, historical matchup against uh, Quintana. And that's another thing. Here's the thing. Look, I'm all for statistics, but I will say this. Those type of stats do not mean squat, in my opinion, because I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the fact that I have a catcher who was at one point hitting at least at 250 now he is barely even edging out the Mendoza line and it, look I know we have I know we can't play Mike Zanino every day but in my opinion play uh Ionetta on Sundays I think you just play him one day a week do not put unless Unless you are playing him on Sunday, do not put him in the lineup because I would have loved to have Mike Zanino in that situation. And, again, you know, Mike Zanino's been struggling a little bit. Yeah, he's been showing us a little bit of what he did, you know, uh, last year. But, you know, I think he's going to go through that slump. He he was bound to go through a slump. I right. mean Zanino's
1: not going to come up and, and not go through a slump. Uh, and he's faced some tough pitching the last few games. So, uh, I just – The one concern is maybe the strikeout's coming back, but hopefully, um, you know, he'll have a good series against Texas. And to your point, he should be playing every day. I mean, Chris Ionetta, I'm sorry, but he sucks. Chris Ionetta is not a good catcher, you know, major league starter caliber catcher. He's, He's a backup, and he should be
0: playing like a backup twice a week maximum, you know. Exactly, and you know, I'm going to say this again. You know, why have we not seen Dan Vogelbach? Why? And I will say, and I will say this. Let me rephrase that. Why have we not seen Goody, Seth Smith, Chris Iannetta, and Adam Lynn DFA'd? Because here's the thing. I, you know what? After that walk off home run against the Cardinals, I said I would not say another negative thing about uh, Adam Lynn. I would not because I was very happy that he helped us win. But in hindsight. Adam Lynn cannot hit the broadside of a barn. This was a terrible trade. It has not helped us. It, it's it's helped us a, a little bit, but it, but in you know reality, it really hasn't helped us because what's the point of having you know, Dejoli and Adam Lynn in the lineup if none of them can hit? And I'm gonna say this, Dejoli, this isn't just a slump that he's going through. This is a, this is a. Point his career where pitching him out, and I'm in, and you know I have a couple friends who you know they don't want to hear that they truly don't want to hear that because they are Korean. But you know what you gotta you gotta wake up and smell the coffee. Day Ho Lee at this point right now sucks. Adam Lind sucks. None of them can hit because let's face it, Adam Lind in in my opinion just Adam Lind, he straight up sucks. He's just like Chris Innett. He just sucks. Um, Seth Smith. He sucks. I've been getting yeah. sick and I have been getting sick and tired of Seth Smith for the last now two months because for the I don't understand what has happened to him since the All Star break. He can't hit. Neither can Dejoli, and Dejoli pitchers have finally figured him out because they have. I think what they have been doing is they've been getting into the clubhouse, watching video on him, and they found out what he you know what he can't hit and what he will you know will swing at as as well. But you know, this also has. To, you also got to put some blame on Scott on Scott Service because, in my opinion, if I'm Scott Service in this situation, I'm saying, you know what? Let's bring up Dan Daniel or Dan Vogelbach because he's. I've heard he's been tearing the cover off the ball. We need a good left-handed hitter. Let's it. Let's option Adam Lynn because I mean, let's face it. He's not giving us anything. I mean, I will say this. D J Peterson, big bad break for him. You know, I really am a little upset that you know this is horrible to break,
1: us. and of course it happens to us at this time of the season. You
0: know, and it's just brutal. It is. It's it's a terrible it's a terrible thing to happen to us. But you know, uh, like like the saying goes, shit happens. But you know, I wish him all the best in his recovery. I do believe he'll be back with us next season, and and you know, in hindsight, I think we'll see the Peterson Vogelbach platoon next season, maybe, but. Also, here's the thing. Uh, With Scott Service, do not pinch hit Guillermo Heredia. Don't do it. Because here's the thing. He may not be hitting like you want him to hit, but guess what he brings to your lineup also in your outfield? He brings a glove and he brings speed. What does Seth Smith bring you? Nothing. He brings brings a guy who grounds into a, a double play when you really need a base hit. Again, Scott's service to me, again, I get he's a rookie coach, but rookie managers would have figured this crap out by now that you cannot rely on some of these players. And in in my opinion, Adam Lynn, Seth Smith, and Franklin Gutierrez, I, will, I don't trust. I do not trust one bit to be put in this lineup, and I don't think any of them deserve a spot. I think – I mean – I will even say this. I think Stephen Romero deserves a call-up more than – or deserves to be playing uh, a call-up with uh, – oh, and it uh, looks like we had uh, Anthony We had Anthony lose. And hang on a sec. We'll figure this out.
2: Hang on a sec. Uh, hang on a sec. Sorry about this.
0: And uh we had a little bit of a we have a little bit of a problem here I'm trying to getting it trying to get this figured out All right so give me give us just a quick second we'll be we'll be right back folks uh we got to we got to take a quick little break here I Apologize for this Yeah, we just we just had a little bit of technical difficulties going on. Again, this is talk to you, so it's going to happen. You know, a lot of times. Uh, again, I I do apologize for this. This is, you know, something that we try to avoid a lot of times. We always try uh, to avoid it. Yeah. Um. Go
2: ahead and get uh, get in. Um. Uh, So we're going to see if we can get, um, all right, so, all right, again, again, I, I do have to apologize because, uh. So uh, All right. So it was, again, we got it. um All
0: right. Again, I got I got to keep apologizing because uh, again, we're just having bad technical difficulties. So, we will try to got to get you back on
2: here. See if this is, let's see if this will work. Nope, apparently that wasn't it. Sorry about that.
0: Again, we—I mean, again—just nothing but apologies because, again, we try not to have these type of technical difficulties happen, and you know they're always—they're—they're they're just unavoidable for some reason. I, I just don't get it. So again, uh, we we want to uh, again, yeah. So we'll, so we'll t- we'll try the Snapchat next week. So he's just, he's gonna call back in a bit. Again, we we just want to want to flat out. I I want to flat out apologize for this because again, this is just uh, uh, you know, bad tension and everything. So we'll get you right back into this. We'll get you, we'll, of course we'll get right back into talking about the Mariners. As soon as Anthony gets back in, we will get back into this. Uh, in. In situation like this, you just gotta laugh. <laughs> All right, so there we go. I think we got Anthony back in. And he's actually going to get off mute. Let's see if he does. All right, there we got Anthony back.
1: Hey, hey, sorry about hey. that, man. Yeah, no prize. Probably my cell phone must
0: have dropped it. I don't know why, but anyways. <laughs> All right, so anyways, we're, again, we're talking, again, back, getting back on to what we were talking about. But, you know, again, if, if I'm Scott Service, again, in – the situation today I still leave Guillermo Heredia in the lineup because I don't want to waste a uh, a speedster in the lineup I can't I can't afford to waste that especially when the fact of the matter is is that you know we're down by 3 runs we need guys who can get on base and we need guys who have the legs and everything I mean Guillermo Heredia the hits are going to come I mean there's no doubt in my mind the hits are going to come and but again you know you just you just got to be patient with him and you know Heredia he's he's young he's going to He's going to figure it out eventually.
1: Yeah, you're right. And getting on that Heredia point, um, is she now the, he's got to be the starting left fielder now moving forward, right? I mean, I know Aoki went down on Saturday, but he's probably going to be back up come September when they make the call-ups. But uh, to me, Heredia has to be the starting left fielder because of his speed, because of his defense. This team needs to get more athletic, Needs to be better on the base pass, uh, faster at the top of the order. Already brings all those things, and like you said, I think the hits are going to come. He just, it's just a matter of him kind of getting comfortable uh, at the big league level. Um, he's going to have his little for fours, but he's also going to have his three for fours, his three for fives, and so you just got to kind of stick through it and just accept the defense uh, portion of his game when he is. Having an offer for 4 day, at least he's bringing the defense, bringing the glove, right? So, Heredia should be the guy. At least, I mean, in my opinion, I'm curious how you feel about that.
0: No, I, I truly, I truly believe that Heredia is the guy. If if you're not going to start Heredia in left field, you start O'Malley. All right, that's just plain and simple. Because, look, again, I have no confidence in Aoki. And I've told you this before. In my opinion, he looks like George of the Jungle out there, in, swinging on a vine out there in left field. He looks like he's about to smack, you know, into someone or, you know, plant his face in the ground or trip on. I mean, I've never seen a more unathletic outfielder in, in in Aoki. I mean, it's it seems yeah, inc-
1: ridiculous. No, I,
0: you're completely right. I mean, he just he looks silly out there. I mean, and 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 here's the thing. I'm I'm baffled on how this guy won. Three gold gloves in Japan. How did this guy win gold gloves? There is, there is, I just, I find yeah. it. <laughs>
1: Who's he competing against? Is it, I mean, is it just a bunch of, like, little leaguer people that don't know how to play the game?
0: It must have been. It, it, that's the only logical explanation I can think of because, there. It, it, again, there is no way this guy won three gold gloves in Japan. I just don't believe it because this guy, <laughs> again, also, and and let's face it, The Mariners outfield is one of the worst outfields in baseball because, because we've had Aoki and Seth Smith in right field. And I will say this. Look, in my opinion, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but if you're not going to play O'Malley, I would rather have Nelson Cruz out in the right field because here's the thing. There's a big difference between Franklin Gutierrez and Nelson Cruz in that Nelson Cruz takes pride in his playing time and he, first of all, he would not even be positioned where Goody has been. I have no idea in that uh, fly ball by Justin Morneau. That should oh. have been caught. Where in the hell was Goody? He was all the way in right center field. Why are you positioned all the way there? Oh, well, I mean, yeah,
1: in- that's, that's another thing. Like, I, don't, I mean, I'm guessing he's following the coaching staff's direction for positioning.
0: Then they're, then they're just being stupid. Yeah,
1: and that's what we have to talk about is the positioning of the outfielders, the positioning of the infielders. I mean, Taiwan Walker, he yeah, he pitched well today, I thought. And he oh, was, okay.
0: Before you, before he was you say anything, by,
1: Anthony,
0: go ahead. Yeah, before you say anything, Anthony, I want to say this. This this is the biggest thing that pisses me off about this team. Taiwan pitched his ass off. He pitched a brilliant game today, but does his offense or his defense help him out? No. Oh. Yeah. You know why? Because they're basically saying, oh, we finally got a decent start from him. We're just going to screw him out of a start. That's what I'm thinking. Because, in my opinion, Goody doesn't give a damn. He does not look like he gives a damn anymore. He does not like he takes pride in anything that he does. He is a terrible hitter, and he is a terrible outfielder. In in my opinion, once the September call-ups happen, Seth Smith, uh, Chris Ionetta, Adam Lind, and Franklin Gutierrez have to go. Yeah. Just... No more playing time because I think that, in my opinion, Goody has reached the end of his career. Ioki is a just a cluster cluster f in the outfielder in the outfield position. Adam Lynn, he he gives us good defense. No, I'm not going to deny that he's a he's a great defensive uh, uh, first baseman, but he cannot hit no more. This w- and again, I'm trying to figure out this Jerry Depoto. Why you, first you traded uh, Trumbo when he was with the Angels? Now you trade him with the Mariners. Look at what he did. He has forty home runs for God's sakes. Why would you trade a guy like that? I'd rather have him at first base than Adam Lind.
1: Yeah, he he doesn't have a uh, good rapport with Mark Trumbo, I guess.
0: I'm um, just doesn't like his skill set. I want to know. I, mean, I want to know what Trumbo did to piss Jerry Depoto off because that's just that's got to be something that I'm thinking. What did you do? to Jerry DePoto to make him want to trade you tw- not once, but twice yeah. in your picks.
1: What, what, what information does Mark Trumbull have on Jerry DePoto that making him send them to any team away from his team? I, it's kind of interesting, right? But uh, getting, getting on to Gutierrez, so I think it's a little unfair on Gutierrez. I don't think he's, um, you know, not giving a shit out there. I think he does care. He's just, he doesn't have... The, uh, the speed that he used to have, and um, you know obviously that's that's proven costly in how he defends uh right field but i I think he's still a valuable piece I, I don't know I mean at the end of the day, I think we need to get faster, we need to get more athletic, and is probably playing his last few games at the ends, but um it's it's difficult because I do think he can provide clutch hits, but right now he's definitely just he's not producing like he was last season when he was called up. So um, his playing time should be cut. This should definitely be cut. We need to go with more O'Malley out there in,
0: in right or left, wherever the uh, opportunity arises, you know. Yeah, definitely, and, and and here's another thing. We're actually going to be talking about Robinson Cano here in a bit, and of course Taiwan Walker, uh, because we got to, we, I mean, we got to talk about Robbie Cano and his season. But before we do that, I want to say this: the the keep fighting thing after you know during that that uh, Griffey weekend, you know, that was great. I mean, where is this? Where I want to know what has happened to that team? Where is that team gone? All of a sudden, it seems like this team does not want to fight anymore. That's because, again, you know, you look at what they, the Mariners did in that three-game series against the Angels. They were down, I mean, they were down uh, 3 to nothing in the first inning in that uh, in that Felix game. They came back and scored six runs. But, you know, every game they were down. But who actually helped them out in the first game? Sean O'Malley with the three-run home run. Who helped them out in the last game? Uh, Mike Freeman, who was a rookie. And then they sent him down after that word, after that, and then they send him down again. I'm like, why call him up anyway if you're just going to send him back down again? But yeah, this team. I don't right know. Uh, they don't
1: really have a spark plug, do they? They don't have a guy that's out there, um, you know, kicking out, I mean, getting on base, and and creating a spark for these guys to kind of get it going. You know, uh, I don't know if it's just the pitching they've run into. Sale, Quintana, Rodon. I mean, those guys are. That's a legit. Uh, top of the rotation for the White Sox, you know, three of the top, I mean, Salem, Quintana, two top five in the league, and then Rodon's, you know, an up-and-comer, you know, so there's some tough pitching there. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly the offense seems a little bit stagnant right now. I don't know how you think about what's maybe holding the offense back. Is it just uh, kind of? Lot, you know, lineup decisions, putting Dayo Lee in there, uh, you know, playing Ionetta like we talked about, or if it's just some guys just maybe running into a little bit of fatigue. I'm going to go
0: ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put this out there because it seems like every time the Mariners lose a big game, it seems to affect them for several. And again, the big game yeah. that they was that Milwaukee game, and it seems like that Milwaukee game is sticking with them because. Again, the last time the offense really broke out was against the Yankees, and in that in that uh, win, that that uh, seven to six win, but you know this team after that just looks like they just don't have it anymore. They they honestly don't want to keep fighting. They just want to just keep. It seems like they want to keep losing. I mean,
1: well, be, before we talk about Taiwan and Cano, I mean we got to point to the series coming up against Texas,
0: and that's to make
1: a break. They need to sweep that series. Winning well, two out of three, just getting the win, I mean, that's just picking up one game. Right now you're sitting eight and a half games back in Texas. You need to to really cut into that lead um, if you want to have any hope of winning the division. I mean, right now the Mariners are almost leaning towards just the wild card where they're three games out. But, you know, when you've got Baltimore uh, and Detroit to climb over, a little bit tougher if they can if they can sweep Texas. I mean, obviously that's to ask you know it's asking for a little bit there, but you know they're capable of it. If, if Seattle plays like like it's capable of, if we see the Mariners of uh, early August when they were like uh, what were we to start August uh, fourteen and four or something in the month
0: mm-hmm. if, if they
1: play, if they play like that and there's no reason why we can't go to Arlington and, and sweep Texas.
0: Exactly. And I have to say this, Anthony. I mean, you say – again, you say this series is going to definitely make or break us. I don't disagree with you on that. But, I mean, the sweep is what we truly want. We truly want the sweep. But what would you even say to just getting two out of three? I mean, would you say that that yeah, might be Yeah, I mean, need...
1: no, they need at least two out of three. And by make or break, I mean for the division. If, if they don't uh, – if they have any – thoughts on winning the division, they need to get a sweep this the next three games. Um, But but for the wild card hunt, because the East is still playing a ton of games against each other, you have a shot still in the wild card, even if you win the series, or even if you probably, uh, even if um, losing two out of three. They can't get swept. If they get swept, I think it's going to create a real tough challenge going forward. But if if they can win the series, they'll still be in the hunt for the wild card. They'll have some momentum. And if they get the sweep, then they got the division still in the shot. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd rather get the division title and play for sure. Five game series rather than the play in game. Uh, I just, I just think that, you know, obviously winning the division is the, a better approach and you don't wanna um you know set your sights on winning the loud card if you're still somewhat in the haunts of the division and and they are because they have seven games left against Texas. So if if they can go five and two at minimum, pick up three games there and then just play you know, they're gonna play seven hundred to seven
0: fifty ball down the stretch here to try to pass Texas, I think. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, and here's the thing, looking at the schedule right now, as of tomorrow, we're going to have one, two, three, or no, one, two, three, three straight weeks. Three straight weeks of AL West matchups. We've got three against Texas. We got three against Texas. We come home and face the Angels for three. Then we have the Rangers for three. Then we go to Oakland for three. We go to Anaheim for three. We take a day off on Thursday, come back and face Houston for three, and then we finally get – we face – I mean, again, in my opinion, every single one of these series, if you don't sweep them, take the series. Against Texas in that four-game series, though, at home, I don't see a series – I don't really see a series that much, but I would love a three-game three out of four. But, you know, you got to at least no. split the series.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the time of the year where not just winning the series, but sweeping the series is critical. And that's going to be huge, especially against the, the cellar dwellers, Oakland and L.A. They've got to get sweeps. And these teams, Oakland and the Angels, they're going to be playing a lot of, uh, you know, rookies, September call-ups, because they're well out of it. So you got to make hay, because Texas is also playing those teams. And uh, Houston will be playing them as well as the ALS, you know, pl- plays itself. So, you know, our schedule's soft, but so is Texas'. And we're, you've got you've to get sleeps when you can get them because you know Texas is going to be playing the same game, likely getting those series wins. And where you can edge them is by getting the sleep, by winning that extra game by doing the little things to, to come from behind and win the game that
0: you weren't necessarily supposed to win. Exactly. And uh, before we actually get into our first break, we got to talk about Robinson Cano. I mean, this guy. I mean, we can't just also talk about Robinson Cano, though we got to talk about some other players. But Robbie Cano now 30 home runs, first 30 home run season with the Mariners. And yeah, I think only he's, the
1: second 30 home run season of his career, actually. He did it. Uh, back in 2012 with the Yankees at 29, so. Uh, know is having
0: a hell of a year. I think he's got a chance for 40.
1: Yeah, I mean he definitely does. I, it's going to take a huge September for him and for the ends. So um, if he if he has any any uh, of that stretch drive clutch kind of ability within him, I can see him having a huge September to get to 40 and help this team
0: close down the stretch I and mean, get into the playoffs. Definitely. And, you know, not just Cano, but, you know, there there are two other guys who really need to help out this ball club and need to get hits when it counts, and that's both Kyle Seager and Nelson Cruz because it seems like a lot of times, like, when Nelson Cruz, when there's bases loaded, he seems to ground out into a double play a lot. But, you know, he's got to – both of these guys have got to come up clutch. And let's face it, the Seager brothers, they're having, they're having just a – an unbelievable years. I mean Seeger's having the yeah. best he's having the best hitting season of his career. I mean I've never seen C- Seeger hit this good.
1: He is steadily getting better every year and I didn't think he was quite capable of doing it. I thought Seeger was gonna be a two sixty five, two seventy career hitter. He just didn't he didn't go in the opposite field enough. But this year he's really using the whole field to, at least you know, just enough to to get those extra hits and get his average up to I, what is he up like two eighty five
0: now? Um, I think he check real quick.
1: But yeah, uh, regardless, um, he's having a huge year, and, and it's crazy to be doing it just when your brother is also coming out and having the type of season that Corey's had. And I saw a uh, write up on ESPN calling. Uh, Corey and Kyle's season perhaps the best season of a pair of brothers or, you know, brothers in MLB history.
0: And uh, you can't really
1: argue against that, can you?
0: No, you can't. And after today going three for four, Seeger's hitting
1: 290. (laughs) 290. I mean, yeah, I, I honestly didn't see him capable of hitting 290 for a full season, but he's he's made those adjustments and he's
0: starting to use the whole field more consistently, which has helped. Definitely. And uh, before we actually get into our first, game, I mean, I want to I want to say this: I, Am I the only one who is surprised that Cattell Marte is hitting at 262? Because I did not see Cattell Marte hitting this low. Yeah, I
1: mean, you would have liked to have seen some. Some market improvement after last year, but I think that DL stint really hurt him, caused him to miss a good month, and uh, just really curtailed any momentum
0: that he had. Well, what do you think? Um, I think you're right, man. I mean, I'm looking at what he hit down in Tacoma. He hit two fourteen in seven games. So, I'm I'm trying to figure out what's up with the I mean, in my opinion, look if Quetel Marte can't pick it up, look, start O'Malley at shortstop, because let's face it, Sean O'Malley, I mean, people are even saying that to trade Quetel Marte and take Sean O'Malley over him, because I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, it's not because that Sean O'Malley is one of my favorite players on this team. By far, out of anybody who is not named Felix Hernandez, Kyle Seager, Robinson Cano, or Nelson Cruz, I mean, Sean O'Malley is my favorite player. Because, I mean, how can you not love this guy? He's just he's dominated he's he's been he's been a he's been one of those guys in the clubhouse who it doesn't matter if he goes 0 for 4 or 0 for 5 you know with just one walk he brings that he brings that yeah. you know yeah. that you know don't take no crap attitude
1: well the last thing that they continue to do is is trade Marte. i mean they just keep giving up on these infielders too quick and we saw what happened with Brad, men. That's exactly what they did with Brad Miller. They didn't, you know, McClendon didn't like his defense, so they moved him into the outfield. He's never played the outfield. They bring up Marte because he's having a strong season at AAA. They need to take a look at him. But now you've outcast Brad. Look what Brad's doing with Tampa Bay. I pulled up his stat page right here. He's hitting 260 with an 829 OPS. His OPS plus is 123, but he has... 25 home runs. Ugh. 25 homers. He's uh, getting on base at a 316 clip, so I mean <laughs> what would the M's be doing right now with that kind of production at shortstop? I mean, Monte has, what, two homers? So, And his batting average is even, uh, I think it's basically the same as Brad's. He it's So I, so, I, I mean, think it's I- a Go ahead. I, I think he's hitting a couple points higher, but I think his OBP is basically the same. With like not even close. I mean, in the same stratosphere as far as power is concerned. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's so just, i guess... got. That's what. That's just what happens when you when you give up on guys. I I really like Brad. I wish they would have held on to him. And uh, the last thing they need to be doing with Cattell is is cotton bait, but I I, I agree, am in agreement with you as far as maybe curtailing his playing time a little bit, as, although it seems like he's starting to maybe come out of the slump that he was in. I don't know, late with a couple of hit, uh, multi-hit games recently. So, yeah. but yeah. They definitely, they, they need Cattell. They need Cattell to get going, be the spark plug that O'Malley, maybe Heredia can be. I think.
0: I think. I think after this year, like here's the thing. After this year, here's how I see our outfield: um, Heredia in left, Martin in center, and in right field, Sean O'Malley. That's how I see our our outfield because all three of those guys they bring speed. I mean, two of them has an arm. I mean, O'Malley, I haven't really seen his arm strength that much, but he's still. But he's got a damn good glove. You, you cannot argue. He's got some, and he's got some speed out there in the outfield.
1: Yeah, no, but I think those, you know, Heredia and O'Malley, I think are better off the bench. I, we definitely need to find them regular playing time. They can't just be, you know, guys that play forty games a year. But uh, one guy I'd like to to take a look at next year is Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill is definitely having a huge year in Double A, and he should get. Um, I thought he was going to get called up to triple A, but I guess it's too late for that. But, um, you know, he could be a guy come June, come July, come August that we see in the narrators outfield next year. And beyond Tyler, uh, they don't really have any prospects knocking down the door to play in the outfield, so they might have to, you know, just with left field with Heredia and O'Malley, and I, like you said, I, I think that would be a
0: good option. I would not. I would not disagree with that. All right, so we are going to get into our first break. When we come back, we're going to get into the, of course, the Seattle Seahawks. But we're going to bring up an interesting topic that has been happening in the NFL and has a lot of people talking about it. But uh, while while we are on break, Anthony, I want you to put out a. I want you to put out a poll on Twitter. I want to see who will win out. I want to see like if people would rather have Sean O'Malley or uh like I want to see who they would rather have in the outfield and I want to and I wanna this is going to be an interesting one. Who would you rather see in the outfield? Do you rather see O'Malley, Goody, or Nelson Cruz?
1: Okay, I'll put that out there and for any the people listening, uh you can follow me at Anthony Dion O three and Dion spelled D I O N that's my twitter handle so uh check out
2: that the poll
0: yep definitely all right so we'll take a quick short break and we'll be right back back here on the podcast my name is mike and of course i'm joined by my co-host anthony and having just a little bit of technical difficulty here trying to get anthony on or unmuted here and uh, he's getting those polls like made out and everything so yeah second anthony i'll get you unmuted here really quick put out the polls, by the way. He's going to put out the polls. Uh, and again, so you guys can decide on Twitter. You can follow me at IrishCarBomb21 on Twitter, and you can follow Anthony at AnthonyDeon03, which Dion is spelled D-I-O-N. So, uh, Anthony, we, uh, we're we about to talk some Seahawks, but we need to talk about a situation that's been going on uh, that has been creating a lot of controversy. It's Colin Kaepernick. I mean...
1: Yeah, it's
0: pretty controversial to say the least. It is, it is, and I mean I mean, I'm gonna say this, look. Well uh, so
1: give give the listeners an idea of what happened before, I mean, just in case they they don't you know, have been paying attention to the news.
0: Yeah, so what happened was is that uh the last preseason game during the national anthem, Colin Kaepernick refused to stand up for the national anthem. Um and right, I will say
1: sitting on the bench by himself as the anthem played.
0: Yeah, and he was saying he's trying to take a stand for you know people who are being oppressed in the United States. He's trying to take a stand for people who are for everything that's going wrong in the United States. But I'm going to say this. You doing that, Colin, is just making things worse. It's not helping. I'm, I'm being truly honest. This, this is not something that is helping. And not only are you making yourself look bad, you're making your team look bad. But what's but what gets and and here's the thing, Anthony, what gets me is that his teammates are standing with him, so to speak. I mean, why are they why are they honestly why are they honestly with this guy? I mean, this that, that is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing to me. Uh because I don't really want to get into you know, whether you support Colin or not on that decision. I think it's interesting um, how his teammates respond to this. I mean, Chip Kelly basically just said Colin's exercising his right as a citizen. He didn't really condone it or uh, speak out against it. So, I mean, from all that we know, Colin's going to keep doing this and how do his teammates react if are any other teammates going to start doing this as well? I mean if if he is joined by other niner players in protesting the anthem this will be a huge
0: story all
1: across the United States not just across football but and then it's a huge distraction for the Niners uh, but you know, going beyond just the distraction of the team, but just how big of a story that can be if if he's joined by the rest of his, or at least a percentage of his teammates in doing this, if it's not just him. And so I'll be interested to see what happens with that, whether or not he's joined by teammates and how many teammates and, and just how dysfunctional
0: that could make the Niners through this season. Yeah, definitely. I I fullheartedly agree with you. I mean, I mean, this this is my take on it. Look, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that is going on in this country that, you know, I don't agree with. And there's some things in this country that are going on that you know, I'm just really don't want to get into because it's there there are very interesting interesting um there there are topics that are going on in this country that is just very sensitive to people. And, right. and again, you know, you, if, you word it, if you word something the wrong way, people will take it in a very bad way. So that's why, you know, with me, I don't want to get into these types of these discussions, but I will say this. Um, I have the utmost respect for a 49er fan, and I don't know if you've seen this, Anthony, but a 49er fan spoke out on a video saying, you know, if you want to take your $168 million, that's fine. This is how I'm saluting you. And he burned a Kaepernick jersey while playing the yeah. national. Anthem. And I will say this. Now. Most, Sorry?
1: I've seen multiple videos of fans burning jerseys.
0: Yeah, but I mean it was again, that was just a one of the better one of the best things I've seen because it's again, you know, there there again, there's just something that you cannot discuss on the radio like this, and it's not something we're going to get into because, again... Right, this will-
1: is not the right podcast for that. I mean, if people want to listen to a political topic, and political discussion, they should go to another podcast, and we're talking sports here, but uh,
0: yeah. it definitely
1: is in the news because of what Colin Kaepernick did, and if we can just talk about the peripheral, how it affects the 49ers, how it affects the NFL, um, I think that's worth... Talking about for you know a couple minutes, but um, definitely you know we can't be dive into the political topics.
0: Mm-mm. That's not the right forum for that. So I'll say this to end this topic. I will say this. Um, you can people can stand up for what they want to stand up, but you need to stand up for something that you truly understand. And I will say this. I don't think Colin truly understands in a political or, you know, social type of turn of what is going on because, again, I believe that he grew up in a very rich family, very rich uh, non-minority family, and,
2: right.
0: and he does not, again, I don't think he truly understands what is truly going on. So. Yeah, and, and
1: my, my question for him, if I had a chance to interview Colin Kaepernick, is, you know, what spurred this reaction? What spurred this um, decision he made? Was it, you know, recent shootings? Uh, or has this kind of been percolating within him for some time? And, and how long? How long has he thought about doing this? Is this just something that he just can't... Like, we got to understand what just exactly where Kaepernick is coming from. You know, maybe he has a passion for U.S. history, and maybe he's kind of dug up things in it through his course of, of his education and, and really looked hard into this subject. We don't know. So um, before, you know, we really take a hard stance at all, you know, in either way, it would be nice to hear what Colin Kaepernick,
0: um, where he's coming from. So, yeah, anyway definitely and uh, I will end it by saying this again you know this is a situation this if you wanted to stand up for what you wanted to believe in I think this was the this was not that was not the right decision to do it because you're not because what he, the way he did it it's just it's just creating a lot of drama for this team and it's, right. and it's right. and it's honestly making the 49ers look bad and look I don't yeah you know you know, here's the thing. I don't I don't truly hate the 49ers. I think they're a terrific franchise. I mean, you got to give it up to a franchise who has five Super Bowls. But the fact that Colin Kaepernick did this in the way that he did it without giving a true explanation of why he did it is making himself look bad. And it's making not just his teammates look bad, but it's also making the team look bad. And it's getting a bad name for the Niners. And, look, I don't want any – Buddy to get a bad name but i will end by saying that colin kaepernick in my opinion is a very unpatriotic piece of garbage and if he does not want to stand for the national anthem go live in a different country that's all i'm going to say yeah
1: and that's another reason why i have that question for kaepernick because maybe this is sort of a kind of shot at chip kelly like he does doesn't want to be on the Niners. We all know he asked for a trade. He didn't want to be there. Maybe it's just a way to kind of get back at the Niners, create this turmoil. So that, that's why I want to know, you know, how long have you been thinking about this, Colin? How long has this been kind of blowing up inside you? I mean, you don't just decide to sit down during the National Anthem on a whim. I mean, this has to be something that you've thought about unless he is just kind of playing a game trying to get the Niners to be even more dysfunctional and maybe trade him, you know? So, but yeah, let's, let's just, let's end it there. Um, definitely an interesting topic, but,
0: uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see that for sure. Yeah, it is definitely. And now we're going to be getting onto the Seahawks and I will say this, man, Seahawks are looking pretty good this preseason. I mean, You know, I haven't been able to get to see the games. I've seen the highlights and everything. But I will say this, Trayvon Boykin, he's really impressed me with the way he's played this preseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, Trayvon, I think, still has a long way to go. I mean, he definitely has the mobility, though, that I think the Seahawks want in their backup. They want to keep the same kind of style that Russell has. That way they don't have to kind of change the system Um, And and the way that they build the offensive line, it's, it's, you know, look, they're they're spending the least amount of money on the offensive line as any team in the NFL. They're dead last in money to to the offensive line. So they're clearly comfortable with putting in young, inexperienced talent, just be more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, You know, we saw that with J.R. Sweezy, who they let walk to Tampa Bay. They didn't want to pay him big dollars. But the guys that they're getting are, you know, their best uh, attribute is their ability in the run game, not necessarily pass game. And uh, I think that's because they know that Russell is better as a, you know, mobile quarterback, better getting out of the pocket, better kind of making plays on a whim. You know, when things break down, and so because they have that kind of already built into the offensive line, it's better to have a backup that kind of does the same kind of things. And uh, Trayvon, I think there's still some areas where he's maybe got to get better because of the system that he was in TCU. He wasn't really a pocket guy, or I'm sorry, a uh, under center. Quarterback, and you know, a lot of things were decided by the offensive coordinator before he got into the huddle. So it's just a matter of kind of getting comfortable in the NFL. But I, you know, everything points to Trayvon being a guy that can
0: handle the backup duties. It's just how quickly can he and get comfortable, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And another another interesting uh, kind of, I'm going to say a little bit of a little bit of controversy came up during the last preseason game, but people are getting on Cliff Averill's case. And I will say this, and and first of all, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with Tony Roma. I really feel for the guy because that was just a terrible thing to happen for the guy. I mean, I'll say this, in my opinion, um, you know, Tony Roma, he's made of glass. I mean, I think he should have retired after last season, especially with the bad back that he has But now people are saying, you know, oh, Cliff Averill, he did it on purpose. You know, Cliff Averill did this, and Cliff Averill showed no emotion when he made the tackle. First of all, here's the thing. Cliff Averill, when he made the tackle, he got excited. He did not immediately notice Tony Romo on the ground. But when he did, you better believe that he was on one knee praying. Because there there is photo evidence showing that he was one of the few guys who was down there right at Tony Romo's side. So before you honest, so before any of this is why I don't really care for the Dallas Cowboy fans because their fan base is one of the more overreactive fan bases in the NFL because they are they wanted they they, they truly want to lash out right away at one player if their uh, if their player gets hurt. But yeah. but I'm gonna say this: when Jeff Heath put the hit on Ricardo Lockett last year, you didn't see anybody complain. You didn't see anybody say, "Oh, that was a bad hit like us Seahawks fans because I'm going to say this last year when Jeff Heath hit Ricardo Lockett, I immediately said that is that was a filthy hit I don't care if it, I don't care if they did say that it was a clean hit that right there was the filthiest clean hit I've seen, and because of that hit, Ricardo Lockett came within inches of dying right there on the field but did you hear anybody talk about that no yeah. because Because it was not, and I'm going to say this, because it was not, he was not a Seahawk. Jeff Heath was not a Seahawk. If Golden Tate would have done that to, uh, I can't remember who it was when he did it, when he put the hit on him, but if, you know. Sean Wayne, right? I thought it was Sean Wayne. I think it might have been. But if, you know, that would have, uh, if that would have happened, guess what? I bet you a million dollars. I truly bet you a million dollars. That people would have been going, oh, you know, he should be suspended. That was an illegal hit. But because Jeff Heath was not a Seahawk, he didn't get any controversy. Because it seems like people just want to hate on the Seahawks just for being us. And I'm going to say this. Again, before you people, and I don't say you people in a bad way. I'm saying you people as in fans who overreact. Before you people overreact. You need to look and think before you talk because I will say this I saw Cliff Averill on his knee praying because he was because he was very upset at the fact that he actually did that to did that to the, the because that happened to Romo. Do you honestly do you honestly do, you, do people honestly believe that Cliff Averill was honestly out to hurt Romo? Yes, I think that some people think that. But I guarantee you, this is football. This type of stuff happens. It is unavoidable. So again, before yeah. you before you pass judgment on to Cliff Averill, why don't you think? Think about this. Do you think that every player in the NFL goes out with a thought in their head saying, "I want to hurt this guy"? Think about that. I mean, I mean, Anthony, I want your take on this.
1: Well, I, I thought the hit was totally clean, and just, you know, at that circumstance that Romo kind of put himself in, uh, by the way he was positioned on the field, and Romo, I mean, let's face it, he's like, I don't have this in front of me, I think he's like 36 or so, he's in his late 30s, so at this point of his career, he's a little bit more fragile. He's not, a, he's not a very mobile guy. He's not a very fit guy. And, you know, if he gets hit awkwardly, this is what happens to his body because he just he does, he's not built in a way to absorb those kinds of hits. And,
0: you know, whether it
1: was Cliff Averill on Thursday night or it's, you know, uh, name any defender in the NFC East in the regular season, Hitting him, he was going to get hurt this year. And uh, not to bring this to fantasy, but I mean that's why I took Dak Prescott on my fantasy team a couple of days ago. You know, before before the hit, you know, before it was announced that he was going to be, miss six to ten weeks, because I mean he's just he's a fragile guy, and uh, he's definitely in the in the back end of his career. And you know I, I hope that he he recovers fine and he's able to. Play again because then you know if you if you love the game of football I don't want to wish him you know ill will and, and to retire like he like I heard on a report that he might think about that but you know what you, you want to see him recover and uh, you know maybe help Dallas to the playoffs even if I hate Dallas I mean Dallas and, and the Patriots I can't stand either one of those teams but uh, you know just to give Romo kind of the support that he deserves um you know I don't wish him any ill will I mean
0: definitely if he can get back that'd be good to see definitely definitely and you know I will say this you know I want your take on this or actually we almost I almost forgot to bring this up I just brought up the Seahawks but uh we got to get off the Seahawks for a topic because I brought this up to you but I want to know your t- your opinion on people wearing Seahawks gear to Mariners games because I brought this up to you, right? And 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 first of all, I'm going to give my take on it. I hate it. I yeah. truly hate. It. I truly hate it because it just shows that people care more about the Seahawks and don't really give a damn about a team that is you know bound, possibly bound for the postseason. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the Mariners they can they can get to the postseason. They can get to the postseason, but you know what? I will say this. When I saw and I will say this, I saw about five people at the Ken Griffey Jr. Hall of Fame night, where they retired his number, wearing Seahawks gear. And I will say this, I didn't just say something to them, I lit them up because I was so upset.
1: Yeah, well well good for you. I, I think anytime you consciously decide to wear gear of another team when you go to a sporting event, I just, I think that that's a little bit, um, you know, for the lack of a better word, I just think it's kind of douchebaggy. Like, you're just being a douche. Don't wear Seattle Seahawks gear at a Seattle Mariners game. Don't wear Seattle Mariners gear at a Seahawks game. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I do in the in that mode. Like I guess it's okay, you know, you're a Seattle fan, repping one Seattle team. But I, I definitely think that you should leave the Seattle gear at home, put on a Mariners jersey, put on a Mariners sweatshirt, put on a shirt. To, you know, bring out some Mariners gear and wear that.
0: Like, it's not that hard. No, it's not. Now, I will say this, Anthony, and I will say this. Um, earlier this season when the Mariners were in Baltimore, I saw four people dressed up in Seahawks gear, hat, T-shirt, everything, with a 12th-man flag at the stadium. I almost, I almost shit myself because <laughs> – I, I almost did because I'm like, do you realize you're at a baseball game? I mean, look, and I even – this is the same thing if any, anybody does it, not just – I think Seattle fans do it mostly here than any other, than any other uh, fan base because people are more proud of their football team than their baseball team. I get that you're proud for the Seahawks. I get it. But there comes a time to where you have to support another team – You've got to support the Mariners. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. This is why I also hate the pen, because I was in the pen during the Griffey Hall of Fame night, and this is why I hate the pen. Because people in the pen, most of them, do not give a damn about the game. All they care about is getting drunk and BSing with their friends. If you want to yeah. do that, if you truly want to waste money, <laughs> I mean, that, that's your prerogative. It- but...
1: Well, yeah, and isn't it, like, a better atmosphere in a bar where the beers don't cost you 12 bucks? And, well, <laughs> I guess there's some bars that do charge about that. But regardless, I mean, they're not even paying attention to the game. It's just a total shit show over there. Right? Like, Ryan Divish calls it, I think he calls it the bro tank. And, it's, you know, there's no more apt
0: word or uh, definition for it than that. No, definitely, but again, you know, again, when I when I truly, because I, I saw nothing but Mariners gear during the four-game series, or during the three-game series at home, I did see Seahawks gear, but I rarely saw Seahawks gear, because what you saw was people showing their respect to Griffey, they came out showing their respect wearing Mariners gear, now the people who came from training camp, they said, oh, I just came from training camp, okay, you had plenty of time to change do not do that crap and yeah. people say and some people say well, well maybe be they- prepared
1: you know bring bring a jersey with you to to change into
0: you know or or i will say this anthony if they go half and half if they have a mariners hat or t-shirt vice versa and like if they just have you know half seahawks half mariners i'm not as upset as i am because i mean at least you at least you got mariners gear on but yeah.
1: well and then, then- Uh, the biggest thing for me
0: is when you are
1: at a Mariners game, go there, pay attention to the game, cheer for the Mariners. Don't, like, I I remember last year when I was in the press box, uh, you know, for about 60% of that season, every almost, you know, it would happen quite quite often during the, the week games, you know, Monday through Friday, when there wasn't a huge crowd, when fans would just start chanting "Seahawks" uh, uh, at the game, at a Mariners game, and it's just, it, I almost lost it. You know, like how do you do I, that? I don't, I don't get it. It's and it's pissing me off, and I'm, I'm a diehard Seahawks fan, and I can't stand it.
0: I will say this, Anthony. I got a story for you. I mean, I know we're going off topic here. We'll get back on the Seahawks, but. It was two years ago, I think, not to this day, but maybe a few days, but to this day, I went to a Mariners game, and after the game, we just got done winning it, and it was a fireworks. And all of a sudden, I hear people chanting, Seahawks, Seahawks. And I lit into them. I I said, are you effing kidding me? You are at a baseball game. Does it look like we are playing football? Does it look like people are wearing helmets and pads? I said, if you are that drunk, Get the f out of the damn ballpark and stay out. If you are going to be that stupid,
1: yeah, and just just don't show up. You know, if 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 all you care about is the Seahawks, don't come to Mariners games. We don't need you there. Just watch it from home. Just go to a bar. Um, we want. I want Mariners fans cheering on the Mariners. I don't want Seahawks fans cheering on the Mariners.
0: Exactly. So, and last year I went to a game, and I and here's the thing. A lot of fans, they chant Gur instead of Seahawks, and some dude honestly got pissed at me there. I'm like, why? What's? What are you getting upset at me? I'm cheering for our team. I'm not cheering for the Seahawks. I'm making, I'm making a Gur chant instead of a Seahawks chant because yeah. politically. Co- I'm sorry?
1: And they got mad at you because you
0: weren't chanting Seahawks with them? Exactly. Yeah. But I got a lot of people to chant c because the Kings Court, they do it. And that's what I like. I like the fact that the Kings Court actually does that. But, again, the bottom line is this. If you go to a Mariners game, you wear Mariners gear. Or if you are – or I don't understand this. Why do some people come in, like, with Pirates gear when the Pirates aren't even playing? But at least they're wearing baseball gear. Yeah, and they're their
1: own kind of fan, right? <laughs> Like, in the postseason last year, that Miami Marlins guy just oh, got behind home play at Wrigley Field, decked out in Miami Marlins. Like, he must have been spending twenty grand to be at all those games, to travel and all that, and he's not even a Cubs fan. He's not even uh, – who are they playing? Uh, the Dodger, I can't remember. Pirates, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't a fan of either one of those teams, and uh, he's he's rocking Miami gear. But you know, to each their own. I mean, if he's a baseball fan and he wants to show which team he supports, go ahead and do it. But yeah, don't don't wear football gear at a baseball game.
0: I mean, that's my two cents. Yeah. Bottom line is, just don't do it, folks. But getting back onto the Seahawks, I, I want to I want to say this first of all, Dak Prescott, he did he looks damn impressive. I will say this, I mean, yeah, I was saying that you know if the the I was saying the Cowboys have a chance maybe to go nine and seven, nine and six at the most, or excuse me, ten and, 10 six, and six, but maybe with Dak Prescott they might even do a little bit better if they stay healthy at least.
2: Right,
1: I, I I think the Cowboys aren't going to really see any drop off. I mean, at least from what we've seen early on, a Prescott, he's got kind of that moxie to, to to have a solid rookie season. So we'll see. I mean, sixteen games is a long, long schedule for a rookie, and he's going to get he's going to take his shots um, from defenders. You know, he's going to get hit, and we we'll got to see how he deals with. You know, with a little bit of adversity, when it comes his way, but he he does he looks pretty good so far.
0: He definitely does. I I, I fullheartedly agree with you. Um, so let's uh,
1: go on talking about the Seahawks here. How what do you think about the wide receiver group? And you are, are we going to see a breakout year for Paul Richardson this year?
0: I think we. I think we. We'll actually see Paul Richardson because, I mean, look at him right now. He's healthy. Yeah. And I'll say this, on that touchdown, when I saw him get that touchdown, he didn't just look pumped up. He looked like he was say, saying, I'm fully ready for this season to start. He was just exuberantly pumped. Well, he and he
1: needed to play like that. I, I feel like, uh, obviously, his first three seasons, he's been hurt. He hasn't been getting on the field enough, and now he's finally healthy. Can, can we see the downfield game that Paul Richardson brings to the table? Can we, can we see that from him? Can we see him also running the, the post routes, the, sl- the slants? I, I think Paul Richardson is the key to the wide receiver group because, honestly, I do not like Jermaine Kearse at all. I'm a UW fan, but Jermaine Kearse in the NFL, just he's not a good NFL receiver. And for him to be starting, I think it's a joke. I don't think he's capable of being a starting wide receiver in this league. He's a 40-catch guy. That's three catches a game. That's, that's pretty bad. Um, he creates no separate. Anyway, so Paul Richardson has the potential, the upside, to be well, – just light years ahead of Jermaine Kurse and be that tandem with with Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett that this team needs.
0: So, you know, I'm gonna, I, I,
1: yeah, go I'm, ahead.
0: I'm gonna say this, Anthony. Like, just imagine, just imagine this. Imagine Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett's speed along with Doug Baldwin. Imagine that type of threat going along with Jimmy Graham.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll are imagining. That's why they love Paul Richardson. And I just, I I really hope that he gets on the field more than Jermaine Curse, that he gets his looks more than Jermaine Curse, gets a few more targets than, uh, you know, maybe Luke Wilson was getting or whatever. Paul Richardson needs to start seeing the ball. And uh, hopefully Russell feels
0: the same way. Definitely, definitely, and you know, um, you know, not much, to, not really much to talk about the Seahawks because I mean, let's face it. I mean, the preseason is preseason, but I mean, I do want to say this before we actually. I think we're going to get on one more topic here, and I, I don't think you mind talking Sounders, do you?
1: I, uh, I don't mind, no, but I can't really. I haven't watched a whole lot of their games, so um, I'll probably just agree with you here
0: and there, but. Yeah, I just don't really have the <laughs> well, knowledge. I, I, Thunderbird, are you a Thunderbirds man? Yeah. All right, so we'll definitely talk about Thunderbirds because we're about because we're close to the hockey season. But um, I do want to say this: uh, I want to to ask your opinion on this. What is your take on people who take preseason games like dramatically, you know, serious? Like the people who actually got so bent out of shape over the loss to the Vikings. I mean, in my opinion. Really? No, I've seen I've seen so many people that are like, oh, that was a terrible flag, this and this. You know, why would you pass that? There's Bevel screwing up again. I'm like, guys, it's preseason. Does it really matter if we screw up right now? Does it honestly matter?
1: Yeah, um, those are some unique guys. I think uh, it definitely takes a certain kind of fan to get worked up over the preseason games and make you know, get uh, worked up over certain calls by the coaching staff or officials, you know, what have you. Uh, look, it's it's the preseason. Let's take everything with a grain of salt. Let's just – I watch the preseason, honestly, to see the reserves, to see the young players play. You know, players like Alex Collins, D.J. Proceis, uh Eric Pinkins, uh, Ty Hill, uh, you know, these guys that you're not going to see play, or that you want to see maybe make a case for a starting role. Um, that, that's why I watch the preseason. I don't, I don't watch the preseason to see uh, Russell Wilson go six for eight for sixty yards and a touchdown. Like, great! Like this is the preseason. He's not even facing uh, the elite pass rushers on on any of the teams that we play, right? So, yeah, I mean, preseason should be about watching the backups and just watching watching your team play football
0: again. Definitely. And uh, before we get into the break, I also want to say this to uh, a lot of our baseball fans. Uh, If you don't know yet, but the Bakersfield Blaze, who is the, I believe, the single A? Yeah, Yeah, uh,
1: that's the high A California League team.
0: Yeah, they will at the end of this season they will be uh, moving back to ca- to the Carolina League, so out of the Mariners organization, and they are playing their final regular season home game tonight, leading three to no- uh leading three to nothing. And I will say this: I really wish the Bakersfield Blaze a very a whole lot of luck. And I, I will say this: I'm going to miss them in our organization. So I'm curious as to see as who is going to be the high A representative for the Mariners this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we'll see where they go, which which uh, other affiliate might open up. Uh, they definitely need to pick up a team there, though. Hi-A is an important uh, affiliation, so uh, it'll be interesting to see where DePoto and his team uh, decide to go.
0: Definitely. All right, so we're going to go into our last break, and when we come back, of course, we're going to talk a little Sounders, and we're going to talk a little, and we're going to definitely talk about the the Thunderbirds and their upcoming season because, let's face it, I mean, this Thunderbirds team is going to be exciting for this season. So, again, we will take another quick short break, and we'll be right back. We are back here on Seattle Sports Talks with Irish and Anthony and Anthony. We are getting into two interesting topics for our last segment, and let's start off with uh, with what we know, with what you know, man. I want to get I want to get your topic on what you know on this one. But Thunderbirds hockey is coming very close, man. We're only like a literally, basically, almost a month away from Thunderbird from the Thunderbirds opening up the season.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. Um, the T-Birds had a great year last year. And they should be, you know, pick favorites again if, I mean, in the uh, Pacific if they can get uh, Barzal to return. So uh, that's that's obviously, I think, the key is seeing Matt
0: uh, play his final season for the T-Birds this year, right? Definitely. And, you know, I will say this. I went to – Oh, I think it was about 10 Thunderbirds games last season, and only one game was lost. It was only, or no, actually every single game I went to they won, but I went to one down in Portland where we beat the the Winterhawks 4-1. to But, you know, this Thunderbirds team last year was unbelievably exciting to watch. I mean, just for not even a minor league team. This team can't even be considered a minor league team. I mean, this is a junior division team. And you saw – and I know you saw the excitement that everyone was just – they were just coming – they were just saying, you know, this is a team that, you know, we can watch. I mean, we can get excited for this team. I mean, just imagine if the NHL would have been here.
1: Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I I, I watched this team every home game uh, in 2014 and in 2013 seasons. I missed last season. I only, you know – was able to watch from the periphery following their, their games through uh WHL dot or C A. But I mean with Barzel, with uh Keegan Colasar, with Ryan Gropp, with with that front line, it's as good as it gets in the WHL. And uh we saw what they were able to do last year with all those guys healthy. And um yeah, so I just think looking for more of the same. I think uh, they should all be back, right? I don't think um, unless Barzil gets picked up by by the Islanders, Gropp and Keegan. I mean, they're in the same boat as Barzil. But if if they're all returned, they you know would be back with the T-Birds, right? I don't think they. Uh, I don't think Gropp graduated. I don't think so. But- he- Yeah, yeah, I think they're all back. So as long as, like I said, they don't make their NHL teams. But, you know, hopefully they're all given a great shot. They all have great camps, and we'll see what happens. I mean, you wish them the best of luck, obviously, in their NHL careers moving forward, but it would be nice to uh, have the
0: T-Birds make another run at the Memorial Cup. Definitely, and... I actually was able to go to that mem- the only Memorial Cup game that they won, and you know again you know they were down by I think it was three nothing, but you know I figured that that might have actually helped them possibly win maybe one or two games, one one or two more games. But you know it was it was fun to watch this team just to play in that type of you know type of Stanley Cup type of postseason uh, atmosphere. But what got me was that the fans the outpour of support from the fans was insurmountably amazing. I just Mm. couldn't believe that this, that the community actually came together for once again, a junior, a junior division team. And it was like the NHL was here already. Yeah.
1: It's they've got, or this community has a bigger NHL following than what people think. And, you know, they're just dying to get hockey, I think. And you see it in Everett with the silver tips drawing uh, over 10,000 almost on a nightly basis. And you see it down in Kent at the Shore Center with the T-Birds constantly getting five, 6,000 people in there to uh, to root on the T-Birds. And kids like Matthew Barzell, I mean, mark my words, Barzell's going to be a star in the NHL. And we've had him here... Uh, down here in the Seattle area, in Kent, for three seasons now, hopefully a fourth. So, um, if you guys get a chance, definitely get out there and and give the T-Birds your support and watch a guy like Matthew Barzell, who's just a young NHL star in the making.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I true, and I will say this, man. I'm an Anaheim Ducks fan. I truly wish Barzell was like she- was joined Shea Theodore on the Anaheim Ducks. I really yeah, I, wish. Barzell- I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are absolutely right about Barzell. I mean, he is going to be an absolute star, if not a stud, in the NHL. This kid. Yeah. I mean, just. I looking... wish.
1: I'm a Canucks fan. I wish the Canucks would have moved up instead of the Islanders. <laughs> and moved up a couple picks and picked them up. Because uh, and he he's from Coquitlam. I I don't know. I mean, if I ever mentioned this, but I actually was born in Burnaby. Uh, just, which is just next door to Coquitlam. I moved down to Seattle when I was four years old with my family. But I'm always, I'm a dual citizen, and uh, I'm always going back and forth between Vancouver and Seattle. So uh, he's basically from my neck of the woods. He would have been a hometown player for the Canucks. It's too bad.
0: It's uh, it's kind of a shame. Definitely, and you know what? Uh, we're actually not going to talk about the 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 Sounders cuz I will say this man I mean uh nothing really good to talk about with them uh, I'm just yeah. going to say but uh,
1: uh I I'm kind of of the mindset that um, uh, the MLS is kind of a minor league soccer or, or league you know compared to the EPL or uh you know what's going on over over in Europe so I don't yeah, I, this is just me. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the MLS. I know other people will, and that's their prerogative. You know, they want to root for some hawk ho- or some soccer. They don't really get it get it any other way than the MLS. And so go ahead, but um, just the caliber of play seems to not be that, quite there. And, and the Sounders this year just they don't have it after you know their best players went over to Europe, right? So they're they're just they're hurting for offense,
0: yeah, definitely, and uh before we actually get do, uh get done with the podcast, I do wanna send uh all of our thoughts and prayers out to uh Clinton Dempsey, who had to miss today's game with uh due to the fact that he has seen a doctor for an irregular heartbeat, and uh you know that's not that is definitely not good to see, so again, we wanna send out our thoughts and prayers with Clinton Dempsey, and we hope that he can return very soon to help out this team. But, you know, everything is going exactly the way we want here in Seattle. And I will say this, Anthony, thank you so much for being on tonight's podcast, and I can't wait for next Sunday, man.
1: Yeah, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and yeah, I'm looking forward to doing many more of these.
0: Definitely. And uh, you can catch both me and Anthony on Twitter. You can follow me at irishcarbomb 21 And you can follow me, uh, Anthony, at Dion 3 Dion spelled D-I-O-N. And you can catch us here every Sunday at 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So until next week, this is me and Anthony saying goodnight. And until the football season starts, go Mariners. Go Ams.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom?